everyone, I hope you're all doing well and welcome back to the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode, we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history and today we're going to be talking about the case of Miranda Barber. So Miranda Barber, oh boy, this is an interesting one. I think the best way to describe Miranda is that she was a complex character. She was a known liar, she was a known attention seeker, she was also a very troubled individual and from a very young age, she got involved with the wrong people. This soon led to Miranda becoming a member of a satanic cult. And it's during her time as a member of this cult that Miranda claims to have killed at least 22 people. Aha, uh-huh, yes, you heard that right. Miranda confessed to killing more than 22 people, which if that is true, that would make her the most prolific female serial killer in modern history. But, and this is a very big but, How much of this was true? Miranda was known to be a chronic attention seeker and a pathological liar. So did she really kill 22 people? That was the question that everyone was trying to answer. And that is also the question that we're going to be taking a look at today. And I've got to give a trigger warning for this case as it does contain incidents of child sexual abuse. So some parts are going to be difficult to listen to. With all that being said though, let's dive into the case of Miranda Barber. Miranda Barber was born on the 14th of December, 1994, making her a Sagittarius. And she was born in North Pole, Alaska. And when I read that, I was like, what? The North Pole? I was like, is that the actual North Pole? I don't know if this makes me sound really, really stupid, but I was like, what? Is that the actual North Pole? And it turns out that no, technically not. (laughs) And I did some digging on this place called the North Pole and it's like Christmas every day in North Pole, Alaska. Literally, this place fascinates me. They have candy cane streetlights. Candy cane streetlights. They even have like this huge Santa like statue. And this is all there all year round. And they have a Christmas shop. And some of the roads are even named like Christmas themed. Like there's a Kris Kringle drive or lane, something like that mistletoe lane. There's a St. Nicholas drive. There are so many roads that are called Christmassy things. And I just think that that is absolutely incredible. Like I just want to go there. Anyway, this is where Miranda grew up with her mother, Elizabeth, and her older sister, Ashley. And at the age of two, it was found that Miranda had developmental dysplasia. Dysplasia. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I am so bad at pronouncing so many words. I am so sorry. And this is just a condition where the hip joint hasn't formed properly in younger children. So it's quite painful. And Miranda had to have leg braces on her, on her hips and on her legs for around two years to fix this problem. So she was in this brace cast thing until she was four years old. And then not long after Miranda had recovered from this dysplasia, her uncle Richard, moved into town. And this is where I have to give the warning. So Richard was married to Miranda's mom's sister. So he was an uncle by marriage. And Miranda's aunt and uncle also had a daughter that was approximately the same age as Miranda. So that meant that Miranda went over and stayed at their house quite often. Miranda's sister, Ashley, would also go over and stay at the house and When Miranda and Ashley were at the house, they were subjected to 
absolutely horrific sexual abuse. And the details are just really hard to hear. I'm not gonna go into every single detail because honestly, there's just no need and it's just so horrible. But both girls were subjected to sexual penetration on a regular basis and for a sustained period of time. At the time of the abuse, Miranda is only four years old and Ashley is only six years old. And both girls as well were sworn to secrecy by their uncle. However, the girls, I think it was Ashley, the older one, she eventually did tell her mom what was going on. And obviously her mom flew off the handle. She lost it. Her mom did go straight to the police and an investigation was started. And when they went to Uncle Richard's house, oh God, they found a handwritten manual and it was titled Fun With My Sister's Kids. And um, he's literally just the worst human being ever. In this handwritten manual that was written by Richard, he encouraged fathers, uncles, grandfathers to engage in sexual activity with their daughters, their nieces, and their granddaughters. And he even included very detailed descriptions of all of the sexual acts that he recommended. And it was these exact same sexual acts that Richard was carrying out on Ashley and Miranda. And he also did have a daughter, and I honestly don't know if he was also abusing his daughter. I'm gonna say he probably was, given the fact that that manual encouraged fathers to sexually abuse their daughters. Oh God, he's just sick, isn't it? And Richard was arrested, thank God, and he was sentenced to 19 years in prison, but he was released after only 10 years. Why do they always release the worst kinds of people? But once he was released, he kept on violating his parole and he was still committing offenses. He was looking at child pornography. He also had possession of indecent images of children. He was just going places where he shouldn't go. So eventually he was rearrested sent back to prison and now he is in prison for 40 years and thank God he is still there to this day. So yeah, that is the story of Uncle Richard, who is an absolutely disgusting, disgusting human being. And as you can imagine, this kind of abuse had a huge impact on Miranda. And Miranda's mom, Elizabeth, knew exactly the kind of damage that this can do to someone because very sadly, Miranda's mom, Elizabeth, was also sexually abused by her father. She knew what Miranda was going through and she didn't want that for her daughter. And I find it so sad because I read that because Elizabeth had gone through sexual abuse herself, she was very protective over her children. She never let them stay over at any of their friend's house or anything like that because she was worried about something like this happening. But she thought that she could trust her sister's husband. She thought that she could trust her family, but it turns out that she couldn't. And the exact same thing that happened to her also happened to her daughters. And then what's just even crazier is that Uncle Richard, the one that we were just talking about, was also sexually abused as a child. It's just like, when will these cycles stop? You know, like, ugh. So following the conviction of Richard, Miranda is now five years old and the family decide to relocate to Palmer, Alaska, which is not too far away, but they just wanted a fresh start, which to be honest, I don't blame them. Miranda started a new school and everything seemed to be going great. However, Miranda quite understandably was really struggling with what had happened to her. She was so young. She was five years old. Miranda wrote in her diary, I feel dirty, violated, hurt and ashamed. 
How could he think that he had the right to hurt me and my sister the way he did? I wanted him to hurt worse than he hurt me. Miranda just really struggled from the moment her uncle abused her. And then when she was 12 years old, things did take a downward turn because this was the first time that Miranda had run away from home. And when she ran away from home, I actually don't know the exact details. I don't know if she had met this man before she ran away or she met him when she ran away. But regardless, it doesn't really matter. This is around the time that Miranda meets a 25-year-old man called Forrest. And Forrest was apparently the leader of a satanic cult. And when Miranda eventually returned home, I don't know how long she was gone for, but when she eventually returned home, she told her mom all about this man called Forrest and that he apparently owned her now. Now I can't tell you much about the cult. I actually can't really tell you anything about the cult because there's not that much evidence to even suggest that this cult even existed. We don't even know if this man called Forrest exists. These are all just things that Miranda has said. They obviously could be true. We have seen things like this before. In all of these cases, we've seen cults, we've seen crazy leaders, we've seen people that own people. Um, so it could be true, but there isn't really much evidence of it being true. We're just going on what Miranda says, which I said in the intro, she's a pathological liar. So Miranda, from the age of 12, from that first time of running away, she continued to run away on a regular basis. And she would be gone for two to three days at a time to be with this so-called cult and cult leader, Forrest. And it was when she was in this cult that she started drinking alcohol. She started taking drugs. She was getting increasingly violent. She was being suspended from school, from getting into fights. So whilst we don't know if the cult actually exists, she's clearly running away to somewhere. She's clearly running away being with people. I don't know if this Forrest was actually 25 years old, but I can imagine she probably was running away to be with this group of older teenagers that were getting up to no good, taking drugs, causing chaos, destruction, and everything like that. And they just called themselves a cult. They weren't actually a cult. I feel like that's probably more realistic in this situation. And throughout her teenage years, Miranda was really struggling with her mental health. She did try to take her life several times and her parents did send her away to a mental health facility. I don't know the details of that, but they sent her to a place to try and recover. And by the age of 13, Miranda was on quite a lot of prescription drugs. She was on Prozac for depression, Adderall for ADHD, and then some kind of medication for schizophrenia and also bipolar. And she was actually diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar. And it said that Miranda's mother was kind of disconnected from all of this. She didn't really want to deal with Miranda. She also went through a divorce around the time that Miranda was a teenager as well, which didn't help things. I think this really affected Miranda as well. And just after the divorce, Miranda's mom, Elizabeth, just took a little bit of a downward spiral herself. She would spend quite a lot of time with other men. She was also taking drugs and she was drinking very heavily as well. And then Miranda's dad, because obviously her parents are now divorced, Miranda's dad didn't really pay much attention to Miranda either. So Miranda's not really getting any kind of attention from any parental figure. And Miranda's struggling herself to deal with her own demons. So 
Miranda just feels incredibly isolated and alone. Miranda is now a high-ranking member of the satanic cult. And Miranda, at the same time, is also sleeping with a lot of men in exchange for money, and she does fall pregnant. But she was ordered by Forrest to get an abortion, and this was a back street abortion. It was... um. Yeah, pretty dodgy. And then when Miranda is 17, she falls pregnant again. And this time she decides to keep the baby. But no one actually knew who the father was. Forrest thought that he was the father, um, but we don't know. So at this current time, it is just Miranda living with her mom and their relationship is not the best. Miranda felt like her mom wasn't even taking good care of herself let alone her daughter. So Miranda felt like she had no other option but to write a letter to Dr. Phil. And she was really hoping that Dr. Phil would intervene and help her family out. I've got some of the letter here that I'm gonna read out. Don't worry, I'm not gonna read the whole thing because it's quite long. So she said, Dear Dr. Phil, ever since my parents got divorced, my mom has become a pill-popping drunk. She meets random men off the internet and has them come over. She also claims to have stage three cancer, but won't stop drinking or taking all the pills. She doesn't care to live anymore. She tells my sister and me that every day, I just want my mom. I'm at a loss of how to help her. She's in denial about everything. I'm begging for help, please. Thank you for listening, Miranda. Dr. Phil actually does pop up again in this story, but he didn't respond to that letter. And eventually it was decided that Miranda's mom was not actually fit to look after Miranda. So Miranda was sent to live with family that they had in North Carolina. And this is where she meets somebody called Elliot Barber. So it is currently 2011 when Miranda moves to North Carolina. She is 17 years old at this point and she meets Elliot who is three years older. Now Elliot was the only son of a very tight-knit religious family and when Miranda first met Elliot he was already in a relationship with someone called Amy who was also pregnant because remember Miranda is actually pregnant at this time so Elliot's girlfriend is also heavily pregnant. And Miranda and Amy do give birth only a couple of months apart. They both have baby girls. And all three of them start to spend a lot more time together, especially now that they've got two newborns. They really help each other in this like new beginning stage. However, not long after Elliot's baby is born, he does overdose on ecstasy. Following this overdose, it's said that Elliot was never the same again. Elliot had a history of schizophrenia, which is very similar similar to Miranda. And from the age of five, Elliot was hearing voices in his head. And that is why he took ecstasy, because he said every time he took ecstasy, the voices stopped. After overdosing, he was drinking a lot more. He was taking a lot more drugs. He was smoking marijuana a lot more. He was a lot more violent. He was a lot more aggressive. And this led to Elliot and Amy constantly fighting. And eventually Amy and Elliot did break up. But then Elliot jumped straight into a relationship with Miranda. Now there's actually some rumors that there was a little bit of overlap. There was a little bit of an affair cheating going on but we don't know, they were just rumors. So Miranda and Elliot are in a full-blown relationship now, and Elliot is also pretty obsessed with the occult and Satanism, so they bond over this. Miranda and Elliot also enjoyed a very unusual 
form of sex where um, they would cut each other and have sex as both of them were bleeding. The relationship between Miranda and Elliot did escalate pretty quickly. It wasn't long until they were both obsessed with each other. And then approximately a year later, Miranda is now 18. They both run away and get married. They don't tell anyone. And then for some unknown reason, we haven't got a clue why, as soon as they returned from eloping, they both decided that they wanted to leave North Carolina. They didn't want to live there anymore. They wanted to pack up their things and move. So Miranda, Elliot, and Miranda's daughter, Aria, they all packed up and left and moved to Pennsylvania. And it is Pennsylvania where the tragic events of today's case do take place. So it's November 2013 when they get to Pennsylvania, they head straight to a friend's house where they do end up staying there. And of course, because they've moved, both of them have quit their jobs. So when they get to Pennsylvania, the two of them are in pretty desperate need for some money. And this is when Miranda heads to Craigslist. I always want to say Craigslist but I know it's Craigslist. And Miranda creates an advert on Craigslist for female companionship in exchange for money. And apparently this was nothing new for Miranda. She actually used to do this back in North Carolina. Whenever she was short of cash, she would post on sites like Craigslist. It wasn't always Craigslist, but she would post for female companionship in exchange for money. And Elliot knew about this and he was completely fine with it because it was never anything sexual. It was just companionship. And Miranda gets a message from a man called Troy LaFerrera. Now, Troy was a 42-year-old married man living in Sanbury, Pennsylvania. He was currently living with his wife, Colleen, who he had been married to for approximately two years. Troy was a Pennsylvania State graduate, and he currently worked as a senior engineer. And Troy has been described as just an extremely loving person and loving husband, brother, and son. However, Troy, for many years, was leading a double life. For years, he had been contacting other women on sites like Craigslist, but a lot of other sites as well, seeking female companionship. But in the case of Troy, the companionship that he was looking for wasn't just companionship, it was sexual as well. So Miranda and Troy arrange a meeting and they arrange for Troy to pay her $100 for her company. However, what Troy didn't know at this time is that Miranda and Elliot were planning to kill him and it was nothing to do with Troy. Miranda and Elliot were just planning on killing somebody. They didn't care who it was. And I cannot tell you why Miranda and Elliot wanted to kill somebody. It's just one of many things in this case that doesn't really have an answer. We don't know. We can speculate as to why they wanted to murder somebody or why they got to that place in their life. All we know is that at some point, Miranda and Elliot got into a conversation and they were discussing what things they wanted to do and they got onto the topic of murder and they both wanted to murder somebody. And after they had that conversation about both of them realizing that both of them wanted to murder somebody, they decided right now is good a time as any. So Miranda and Elliot made their murder plan. They had arranged to meet Troy. I should stress this, that Troy only thought that he was meeting Miranda. He didn't know anything about Elliot. Elliot and Miranda had planned to to meet Troy in a parking lot. Troy was going to get in Miranda's car, 
Troy, Miranda and Elliot in the back were going to drive to another location for Miranda and Troy to have their little companionship meeting thing. However, on the way to this third location, it was going to be on the way that Miranda and Elliot were going to murder Troy. And Elliot and Miranda had come up with a code word. It was actually a code sentence. So when Miranda said the words, have you seen the stars tonight? This was a signal for the attack to start for Elliot on the back seat to jump and attack Troy. On the 11th of November, 2013, Troy meets Miranda in a Denny's parking lot. He gets into Miranda's car and then they drive the six mile journey to Troy's second home, which is where they're supposed to have their companionship meeting. Elliot is in the back of the car. He's under a blanket, so he cannot be seen. Troy has no idea that Elliot is in the back of the car. And Troy is making a little bit of small talk with Miranda. They're talking back and forth. And at this point, Miranda decides to tell Troy that she lied about her age. She's actually only 16. But of course, she's not 16. She's 18. She just decides to tell Troy that she's 16. And apparently, according to Miranda... Troy responded to this and said that he doesn't care. He doesn't mind that she's only 16. So then Miranda is driving a little bit further down the road when she says the code sentence, did you see the stars tonight? Miranda waited for Elliot to jump into action, but he didn't. I don't know if he couldn't hear her. Maybe he didn't want to go through with it. Maybe he was having second thoughts. So then Miranda continues driving. They're getting closer and closer to Troy's second home, their end location. And Miranda says again, did you see the stars tonight? But again, Elliot does not respond. So at this point, Miranda reaches around and literally punches Elliot in the leg to kind of like wake him up like, hello, I've said the code sentence. And this is when Elliot emerges from the blanket and starts the attack on Troy. Elliot takes a piece of TV cable and wraps it around Troy's neck as Troy is sat in the front of the car. Elliot is trying to strangle Troy with this TV cable, but he's struggling and Troy starts to fight back. And Miranda sees that Elliot is not in control of this situation. So she grabs a knife and starts stabbing Troy. But even when Troy is being stabbed by Miranda, he's kind of being strangled by Elliot as well. He still manages to fight back and he manages to open the car door and actually get a leg out of the door as if he's trying to get out. And Miranda sees that Troy is trying to make an escape. The door of the car is now open, which means that the light is now on in the car and they're on a kind of busy road. I don't think it was too busy at the time that they were there, but still there was people going past. Anyone would have been able to see in that car. So Miranda is freaking out thinking that, oh my God, anyone can see us at this point. She shouts at Elliot, get the door. The door is open, close the door. Elliot gets out the car, manages to shove Troy's leg back in the car, shuts the door. All of this is happening. Miranda is still stabbing Troy. And when Elliot gets back into the car, Miranda at this point has stabbed Troy a total number of 20 
times. Troy is unable to fight off Miranda at this point. I mean, he's being stabbed 20 times. He's bleeding profusely. He is wheezing. He's gasping. He's literally clinging onto his life. And tragically, Troy does die from his injuries. Following the attack, Miranda and Elliot attempt to cover up the murder. They first drive to an alleyway just a couple of blocks from where the attack happened. And this is where they dump Troy's body. It's actually thought that Troy was still alive when they dumped his body, which is just so sad. Like there could have been a chance that he survived this attack. But obviously he was dumped in an alleyway. No one other than Miranda and Elliot knew that he was there. And when they dump Troy's body, they steal his wallet, which had $150 in it. They then drive to the nearest Walmart to buy cleaning supplies to clean up the car. Because as you can imagine, this was a pretty frenzied attack. There was blood everywhere. So Elliot goes into Walmart, he buys garbage bags, paper towels, bleach, carpet cleaner. And then after they've picked up the cleaning supplies, they then take the car to a different location and they start the cleanup. And this bit of the case, I'm just like, wow, really? So after they clean up the car, they then decide to treat themselves to a nice meal and they use the $150 that they stole from Troy to treat themselves to this meal. They thought that they deserved a nice meal. It was also Elliot's birthday. I probably should have stressed that. Um, it's Elliot's birthday when this murder takes place. And they went to a nice hamburger restaurant and enjoyed a nice little birthday treat meal. Following the meal, Miranda turns to Elliot and was like, I told you I would take you to a strip club for your birthday. So let's go. I just cannot ever wrap my head around how people can just go about their lives as if nothing has happened after they've committed such a horrific murder. Like how do people do that? How do people act as if nothing has happened? So Miranda and Elliot were out having a good time and it was the next day that Troy's body was discovered. So then immediately an investigation was started. Troy was found with 20 stab wounds and these stab wounds were in his face, his his neck, his shoulder and his torso. And they also found the TV cable that Elliot had used around his neck. The police also find Troy's mobile phone at the scene. So they immediately go to his call history. And that is when they find that there were two phone calls to the same number on the same night that he was murdered. And who does that phone belong to? Miranda Barber. So they bring Miranda into the police station. It didn't take long for them to find her. And they just start by asking her, like, how do you know Troy? Like, what is your relationship? Your phone number is his last call. Mm -hmm. That puts you pretty close. I know, I'm so we need to be able to prove that you did it or that you didn't do it. So I'm, I'm gonna ask you right now, uh -huh. a very basic, very simple question. Okay that you, you need to answer either yes or no to. Okay. Were you involved in, or do you have any knowledge of the death of that guy, the death of Troy? No. At this point as well, the police have discovered that Troy would look on sites like Craigslist for female companionship. So I think the police at this point have put two and two together and thought, okay, so you were meeting up. So Miranda actually kind of comes clean. She says, okay, we were supposed to meet up, but it never happened. And I think Miranda just thinks that the police will just accept this answer 
and forget about her and move on. But the police do not work like that. The police were just really suspicious of Miranda. Her whole demeanor, her body language, the choice of words that she was using, it was just very suspicious. Miranda just kept trying to deflect from the situation and she kept trying to tell the police, I just want to go home to my baby. But you understand my that? goal right now is to get back to my daughter. Yeah. Our goal is to find the person who killed him. Yeah. Okay. And you're the last person on this phone. Police then asked Miranda to hand over her mobile phone because they want to see what her relationship was actually like with Troy. They want to see if she's telling the truth. And at this point, Miranda lost it. Oh my God. Actually, Miranda, we got to take your phone put it in evidence and then get a search warrant to go through it. That's not fair to me at all. Well, that's what we have I to have do. I have the right to walk away, walk out of here with all of my belongings, which not I'm going your, to do. Not with your phone. We're going to take I'm your phone. I'm very offended right now. I'm sorry. I you have, understand? I have to have, yeah. I have time. I need numbers. I need my phone numbers. You understand we have a job to do. I did not kill that man. I've never met that man in my life before. I hope not. I'm a single, I just got married. You guys are coming in my life questioning me. I'm very offended. Do you understand why I'm requesting you? Do you understand why I feel the way that I feel? No. Do you understand why no, I'm requesting you? No, I don't. So, I never okay, met up with so him. so your phone number being the last... Yes, but I never met up with this man. Understandable, but do you think that maybe is something we need to check into? And she kicks up this whole big fuss. She is screaming, shouting, and the police are like, um, okay, no one reacts like this unless they're guilty. I want to go into my baby who is screaming her head off for me. We're taking your phone before you Don't go. touch okay. me. I demand a lawyer right, right now. Right. Don't, don't touch me. Stop. No. Stop. No. Stop. I want. Stop. So the police are just extremely suspicious of Miranda. It's like, who reacts like this? So the next thing the police want to do is bring in her husband, Elliot, and see what his involvement might be. So like Miranda, Elliot denies everything. Elliot also feels the need to clarify that his wife only offers companionship. He stresses quite heavily that it's nothing sexual, which, spoiler, it is. So after these interviews, the police let both Miranda and Elliot go because they have their suspicions, but they don't have enough evidence right now to hold both of them. So Miranda and Elliot just return back to their friend's house that they're staying at. This person is a woman called Shay. The three of them are just hanging out. They're having conversation. And all of a sudden, Miranda says to Shay, I stabbed a man to death. How would anyone react in that situation? Just imagine your friend approaching you and telling you that they've stabbed a man to death. Like, what would you do? So Shay is just like, okay, you need to hand yourself in right now. And weirdly, Miranda agrees, which I was shocked at that. I was like, what? I was not expecting her to agree straight away. She doesn't really seem like the type, does she, to hand herself in. So Miranda says her goodbyes. She says her goodbyes to her daughter. And apparently, Elliot is crying at this point. It's like, why are you crying? You were in on this. And Miranda makes her way to the police station to confess. And this is like four in the morning that Miranda turns up at the police station to confess. And she doesn't exactly tell the truth. I arranged to meet up with him. And I pulled in the mall. I saw him. He got in my car. Everything seemed fine. And as soon as I put the car in park, Everything just completely flipped upside down. I didn't know what to do. He just attacked me. What was he doing to you? 
one hand was on my throat, and the other hand was trying, well, touching me down there. What I'm getting from what you're talking is basically he's being really aggressive, groping you. Yes. And I do have three knives in my car. I usually carry one on me, and I just grabbed it. What happened uh, after you took the knife? I stabbed him once, and it didn't do anything. And I stabbed him again, and it didn't do anything. He was... It was still being continued. There was nothing that changed. So Miranda says that she actually did meet up with Troy, but when Troy got in Miranda's car, he attacked her. So Miranda is now claiming self-defense and the police are listening to Miranda's story and they're just thinking, this doesn't add up. So the police are like, okay, let's go back and speak to Elliot. The detective goes and talks to Elliot. The police actually do have CCTV footage now and the CCTV footage shows all three of them, Miranda, Elliot and Troy, all in the car together. So the police go to Elliot and are like, listen, we've got you on CCTV. Are you going to tell us the truth now? So then Elliot is like, oh crap. Okay, I guess the game is up and he has a cigarette and he says to the detective, oh, I guess this is my last cigarette as a free man. And the detective is like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? Because at this point, the detective kind of does believe the self-defense story and he doesn't think that Elliot is involved right now. So Elliot is taken into an interview room and he confesses all. He confesses that Miranda and himself were planning the murder of Troy all along. He was looking for sex. She misleadingly sold him sex through texts, but that was never the intention. The whole intention was to kill him. So the police have now found out that this is premeditated murder. Police are grilling Elliot right now. They want to know more details. They want to know what happened. And Elliot just very coldly starts just telling all the details and he even starts acting out the attack. I'm in the backseat covered up by a blanket. He gets in the car, crawl around eight. So I pop up with that quarter which I found on the body. That was me. Where do you have that KY? Just right around his body. Around the throat. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good. It looks pretty good. The same. In between the uh, the headpiece and the bottom is where I tried to angle it up underneath it. And I put my feet up against the back and pulled it as hard as I could. And then once Elliot has finished describing the attack and also acting it out, he then tells the detective all about the amazing, delicious burger that Miranda and himself had after the murder. They went out to eat it, and it was delicious. It was delicious. What did you eat? I ate burger. It was fantastic. Italian with fries. It's like, why do we need to know this? He starts going on about how it was the best burger that he ever had. It's like he doesn't quite grasp the gravity of what is going on. It's like he's not quite with it. It's like, who talks about a burger after they've just confessed to a murder? And that rhymed. After Elliot's confession, both Elliot and Miranda are arrested and charged with criminal homicide. And the police didn't really know the motive behind the murder, but because Miranda and Elliot had stolen Troy's wallet, they had stolen that $150, they saw the motive as financial gain. So this meant that they could go after the death penalty. In the pre-trial, both Elliot and Miranda pled not guilty, even though Elliot had confessed to everything. 
they still pled not guilty. And it was at this point that the media went crazy about this case. The young couple who recently moved to central Pennsylvania accused of luring a man through an ad on Craigslist, then stabbing him to death. Especially surrounding Miranda. I mean, the media always goes really crazy when the killer is a woman. They like to sensationalize everything, romanticize, make everything a lot more dramatic, especially because it had come out that Miranda was a part of this satanic cult. I mean, you can imagine. You know what the media is like. As soon as they hear cult, as soon as they hear the word Satan, they run with it. But the headlines were not over yet. Oh, no, no. Remember I said that Miranda was a huge attention seeker? Well, Miranda wanted to make sure that she got her little moment in the limelight. She wanted her spotlight and she had the perfect story. Miranda went and did an interview with a journalist. Miranda requested this interview herself. And in that interview, she said to the journalist, this was not my first murder. Oh no, I've committed over 20 murders. I'm a full-blown serial killer. The media had a field day with this. Just a few days ago, Miranda Barber confessed to being a serial killer who stopped counting her victims when she got to number 22. Even though there was no evidence supporting this, everyone believed it, everyone ran with it. So Miranda, in this interview, said the following. Well, since I turned 12, like my entire life was upside down when I turned 12. Why? What happened at 12? I got into a gang, got started doing drugs, just skipped school all the time. And the gang that I was in, it was based around Satanism. And that's what pulled me into it so much. It's, I always felt like there was something inside of me. And I know, I know it's bad. And I know that one day it will be completely out of control. This is, it's, this is not the first time. Are you saying that you have killed before? Yes. Miranda, if you had to take a guess, what, what would you say? If I had to take a guess. I know that when I hit 22, I stopped counting. When you hit 22, you stopped counting. Mm -hmm. So Miranda is claiming to have killed 22 people, which if this was true, she would be the most prolific female serial killer in US modern history, if ever. And Miranda started to go into detail that she was killing people from the age of 12 when she first joined that cult. She said that Forrest was the one that showed her how to kill. He was the one that helped her with her first kill. How have you done it all with stabbing? No, all, I mean, all, all different kinds. Like? The first, the very first time I was 13, 13, and the leader of the gang, he had me lure this guy, and I'll never forget it, no matter how high I was, I'll never forget it. What happened? We were gonna trade sex for money, and when I went to the alleyway, the leader, he came out behind me and he shot him. And he fell to the ground and he handed me the gun and said, now you have to do it. But I couldn't pull the trigger. So he put his hand over mine and pulled the trigger over my hand. And that just, you know, kind of released what was inside of me, like, oh my God. 
And it was at this point that a representative from the Church of Satan came out and distanced themselves from Miranda. They said that even though Miranda is claiming to be a part of a satanic cult, that she was in no way affiliated with the Satanist religion and she did not reflect their beliefs whatsoever. So Miranda said that there were bodies all over the US in Alaska, California, Texas, and Florida. Miranda also said that every single person that she murdered was a bad person and that they deserved to die as if she was some sort of vigilante. She then also claimed that she only murdered Troy because she told Troy that she was only 16. And apparently, according to Miranda, Troy didn't mind that she was 16. He didn't care. So that was the reason that Miranda claimed anyway that she killed Troy. Even Elliot actually got involved and backed up her story. He was like, yeah, she's killed over 20 people. Elliot also believed that Miranda was possessed by a demon. And when Miranda was possessed by this demon, she was a different person who they called Super Miranda. And it was Super Miranda that was responsible for being the serial killer. Do you believe this? Do I believe you, her? Elliot? To I believe us in the room. Yes. You believe 100%. I fully believe she killed these people. No part of me doubts that. I always told everybody I thought Miranda was possessed. I don't know if y'all are religious, but I am. <laughs> and that shit exists and she is possessed. So it was at this point that the FBI got involved because they have to take these claims seriously. I mean, they know for definite that she's already murdered one person. And I don't know if this happened. I watch too much Criminal Minds, okay? But I can just imagine the BAU getting involved and like analyzing her behavior, like trying to figure her out and everything. And someone like Morgan coming in and be like, yeah, no, she's lying. Because it turns out that she was lying. She is not a serial killer. At least there is no evidence to suggest that she is a serial killer. And you would think that if she has murdered 22 people, there would be some evidence of that. I mean, she murdered Troy and got caught the next day. I mean, she's not exactly very good at this, is she? And even Miranda's dad got involved and came out and said, yeah, she's not a serial killer. She's just a serial liar. So after that whole debacle with Miranda, is she a serial killer, is she not? As soon as all of that was behind everyone, Finally, Miranda and Elliot went to trial for the murder of Troy. Now, remember that they both pled not guilty? Well, they actually changed their plea to guilty so they would avoid the death penalty, which meant that both Miranda and Elliot pled guilty to second degree murder and there was no trial. Following this, the two of them were sentenced to life in prison. So back to Dr. Phil. I told you that Dr. Phil would be popping up again. So in 2014, Miranda's sister and mom, so Ashley and Elizabeth, went on Dr. Phil. Let's just say it got pretty intense with Ashley really going in on her mom, blaming her mom for everything. Miranda wouldn't come home for two, three days, week at a time. At 13. At 13. Is that true? No. She says you ignored red flags that Miranda was in a cult and a gang. What do you want from her? All I want from her is just to say that happened and I made a mistake and I'm sorry. That's it. That's all I want. And then I just want a fresh start. And I want her to be a mother. I want her to care. And I want her to get the help that she needs. And then very sadly in 2016, which was only two years after the Dr. Phil interview TV appearance, 
Elizabeth took her own life. The whole ordeal with Miranda had taken its toll on her and she was also dealing with her own demons and she did overdose on prescription drugs. And then in 2016 as well, Miranda actually filed for divorce from Elliot. And Miranda actually did speak to the press in 2016 as well and revealed the true motive behind murdering Troy. Miranda said that she murdered Troy to intentionally get arrested. And the motivation of getting arrested was for her baby daughter, Arya, to be taken into care, get adopted and given a better life. And then in 2018, Miranda spoke to the press again. She just can't get enough of the attention, can she? She spoke to the press again and admitted that the whole serial killer story was all fake. Miranda also requested that her prison sentence get reduced because she had a very traumatic childhood and that this is what led to murder and that she was not fully responsible. However, this request was denied and she's still in prison serving her life sentence as well as Elliot is. And I agree with her to a certain extent there. I definitely believe that the trauma of her childhood, everything that she went through, definitely led her on the path to murder, but she is 100% responsible. Like, you cannot deny that. So Miranda wasn't a serial killer. She's just a serial liar. She's an attention seeker. And I think there are lots of different aspects to explain Miranda and explain why she turned out the way she did. The abuse that she suffered as a child is probably the biggest factor because that put her on a completely different path because after that abuse, she wasn't really getting much attention from home. Her mom was very distant. She was hanging out with the wrong people. She was taking drugs, turning to substances to cope and that definitely led her down the wrong path. And she really didn't have a stable support system at home to help her cope with the trauma of what she had gone through as a child. And she was obviously struggling with her mental health as well. I know we haven't really spoken about it, but she was diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar. And I don't really know any details about that. So that's why I didn't really include it in the case. But obviously she was suffering with her mental health as well. And she was also suffering with depression. I don't know what the motive was behind Miranda killing Troy. I don't believe her story, the one where she said, oh, I wanted to get arrested so my daughter would go into care. Like, I don't believe that. You don't need to get arrested to do that. But Miranda and Elliot had a lot of issues between the two of them. They were probably in a very toxic relationship. They probably were not healthy for one another. And for whatever reason, because unfortunately we don't know the true motive, they decided to take someone's life. And Troy and his family are the main victims here. He left behind a loving wife, Colleen. And after his murder, she did speak out and say, no matter what anyone says, or no matter what decisions Troy may have made he loved me he loved me and no one can take that away and no one will so that was the case of miranda Barbara. And like I said at the very start of this episode, she was definitely a complex character. And I don't have any updates for you on this case. There hasn't been any further investigation. It is still believed that Miranda did not commit those 22 murders that she claims that she did. There are no further investigations planned. There are no new evidence. There are no new leads. And to be honest, I think that that is how things are going to stay. I think it's widely believed that there is just no basis to any of Miranda's claims. So I think it does turn out 
that she's just a liar, pathological liar and attention seeker. And as always, my heart goes out to the family of the victim. And I really do hope that Troy's wife is doing okay. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup. And if you love the show, it would mean a lot if you could leave a five-star review. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios, and I'll see you all in the next one.